Hello, this is Fanboy Gift, the only show recorded entirely in the Tiger Talk by From Home Alone. Today we're going to be talking about series that I think deserve a little more attention. Um, back in the old days, before algorithms used to make your choices, you used to be able to go into a movie store and on the wall by the, the register were different choices. A selection from the people that worked there of things that they thought you should watch, usually obscure things, or maybe things you just would not think to watch. They were called staff picks, and today we're going to be recreating them. I have with me the Dillustrator from Broken Caffeinated. What's going on, everyone? And, uh, Dillustrator, I thought we would discuss uh, a series that I have now been rewatching that I watched on the USA Network years ago. It was uh, a series that I enjoyed, uh, and I finished it during the run, and then I haven't really thought about it since. And for some reason, I was thumbing through streaming, and I saw it and thought, all right, I'm going to rewatch this and I've been rewatching it and I think it holds up more now. I think it holds up better now than it used to. And that's why I figured we'd do this as the opening episode. I want to talk about burn notice. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the easiest way to describe burn notice. And I think that it sums it up so perfectly is the opening line is my name is Michael Weston and I used to be a spy because that's entirely the premise of the series. It, It follows Michael Weston and it's just his journey of he was a spy. Now he's not. This is how you make do with this skill set. If you have none of the assets that you had as a spy past your brain and your talent. So did you actually do you remember much of the show? Do you remember actually watching it? Because I know that we, we talked about it a bit before recording. The set. Well, um with burn notice, the sad thing is, like I back in the day, like I loved it. I was uh, completely addicted to that show. It's uh, uh, it even starred one of my favorite actors, Bruce Campbell, as uh, oh my, as uh, I am Sam I Axe. Thank you, Samuel Sam Axe, and uh, it's been it's. I'm sad to say it's been a long time. I I fairly remember much. I just remember there were multiple episodes where he had different characters. I remember Fiona. I remember his, he had a he had a mom that he would always like kind of like lie to. Like he didn't want his mom to know about the dangerous stuff. Like he would, or she would be like, "It's like what's with the weapon? Why do you bring the weapons in here, mom? Don't worry about it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah the, that was the thing that made the series stand out was is that it wasn't just a, a show. It, it could have framed itself very much like the A-Team where it's, you or, or MacGyver where here's a character with a lot of skills somehow they use these skills to get out of this situation. But instead it framed almost two simultaneous stories in every episode and they tied together very well. You got the story of Michael trying to get to the bottom of his burn notice to figure out what happened. But those stories were also mixed with these um, kind of MacGyver-esque like, plot of the week where he was helping somebody with the skills that he had from being a spy. And it smattered throughout that were personal relationships to Fiona, a former contact, and, and a very interesting character in her own right, a, a love interest of him or a former love interest of him, which created a, a, a fun dynamic between the two of these. You got that kind of flirtatious banter and you got to see why they didn't work out and why they could have worked out. You got Sam Axe, who is like a former military butter chuck I'm, yeah chuck finley i'm, so, I'm former, sorry i was trying to remember his alias name yeah that, he always went chuck finley that was that's his, the that alias was i would go alias. with that was the alias i would go with if i were to pick an alias um sam 
Sam was a great character because Sam represented almost the opposite of Michael. Sam was like retired and, and washed up and just drank and hung out where Michael was like still insistent on being a spy. So he almost reluctantly dragged him into the into every mission. Although sometimes when Sam needed money, he would just take a job just to, to get a little money. Um, so it was I liked their dynamic. I thought that was very good, especially given that it was Bruce Campbell, who's always spectacular. I mean, as you know, Bruce Campbell is the champion of the underdog B-rate actor. And I think that's why he shined so well in this particular role. To anyone who is upset that Ash versus Evil Dead is gone like I am, go watch Burn Notice because Bruce Campbell pretty much brings his Ash character in a sense, to, but to Sam Axe. A hundred percent. And it's, it, I promise you, it will fill the void in your heart like it did with me. He steals every scene he's in, in a subtle way with just the way that he acts, which I think is really well done. Please we do Sam X movie. There is. We're going to talk about that. Um, there is uh, his mother, Madeline Weston, um, and his brother, Nate. And you get to see the rift that they had due to complications in growing up with his family, which led Michael to kind of run away and become a spy and lie to his mother almost to like always stay far away from the family. And you get to see how them now being forced back together, given that Michael has nothing really plays off each other and how more of her is in Michael than like you, he'd care to admit in the beginning of the show. And I thought their dynamic actually plays really well. And it all blends together into I think a better version of like, if you were to look at MacGyver where there's more character development in any single episode, that's very subtle. They don't hit you over the head with it. It's just these perfect little things. And it's all framed by Michael narrating. And this is the most important part is because everything that happens throughout the various scenes of, of important moments are narrated by a voiceover of Michael explaining how to use skills as a spy, uh, explaining the mindset that he's in or the mindset that a spy should be in. And all of this creates like, do you remember, did you ever watch like CSI or um, Criminal Minds? And you thought after watching so many episodes, you're like, I could fucking get away with murder. I, I could, I could kill somebody. I know enough of this science that these people are going to do that I could get away. And everyone had that thought, at least everyone in like the early 2000s that was watching those shows religiously thought I could fucking kill my neighbor right now. And no one would know shit. I can clean that place up. They would never find any of it. Killing, no. But I did at one point really believe I knew how I could like hide a body or get rid of it after watching every single episode of Dexter. See, there we go. Same thing. And this show basically one-ups you on that. Because rather than just showing you this montage of them using science, he actually explains how to wire a car to explode, how to plant a bug, the mindset that you need to be in to perform espionage. It's very interesting. And you know that it's all warped in a way that obviously it's not useful information because they're not going to hand that out on TV. But it, it's it's realistic and plausible enough that as you watch it and you see it happening, you're thinking like, that's awesome. Like that is, you get to learn stuff about this life that he's living and it frames because that's the way they're framing the show and that you're learning skills while also watching Michael kind of almost learn interpersonal skills with his friends and family while you're learning the 
espionage and spy skills creates this like really again the show has kind of a double feeling which i think really works out but it throughout the course of the show the main plot the a plot is always michael's burn notice it, it's a, breaking down why it happened and leading to what you'd expect from a show about spies which is shadow organizations and and um uh, what do they call it? Corruption and, and all these different things that lead Michael into this darker version of what he already knew existed. Mm-hmm. And that, and I'll say that because I, I think it goes without saying that when you when you're in a spy mindset, when when you think about spies, you know that spies aren't necessarily the good guys. And he he explains this pretty outright. Like there's a very fine line between bribing a warlord and paying off somebody who's killing people but in, as a spy you kind of are doing both you're you're doing bad deeds for what you deem to be or what the government deems to be the right reasons and i think that's interesting that that is such a big part of the show because everything that happens to michael due to this burn notice essentially is played off of for that very reason like the the ends justify the means of everything. And Michael will kill somebody just like anybody else if the ends justified the means. And so I think that, again, the the parallel of this like good and evil, everything in the show seems to have this like weird counterpoint, spy skills versus interpersonal skills, um, civilian life versus spy life, uh, friends and family versus this solo agent everything kind of plays off each other and you get to watch the dichotomy of it all um and i think that that really comes to a pass when you think about the overall show that spies are not necessarily good or evil it's just how they view themselves in comparison to the job or how they can disassociate themselves from the job Um, and i think that that creates a show that I, i find more appealing than just watching a show where like the good guy's the good guy and the bad guy's the bad guy like, you know the good guy, you know the bad guy, you're going to watch the series. Um, like It's like Robin Hood-esque in a lot of ways, where like the good guys are thieves because people need thieves to save the underdogs, if that makes sense. It's also, well, actually, one of my other favorite things about the show was when a lot of times, a lot of these things were like undercover jobs, so uh, Michael Weston would always have to like don like a new persona. Sometimes he was... Uh, a badass mob warlord guy or he was like a crazy scared cokehead and i highly recommend anyone who just loves impressions or accents watch this because watching jeffrey donovan do a bunch of different nationality accents and dialects is fucking hilarious he does i wouldn't say they're bad but they're not great but at the same time you're supposed to deem them plausible and i think that they're passable enough that like as a somebody who doesn't know the 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 nuance and cadence of another language you could be like all right yeah he's definitely speaking with a russian accent but i'm sure people that watched it would be like this is offensive as hell that is a horribly fake russian accent and he does russian he does mob boss he does southern hick uh he does um uh irish like northern irish terrorist he he does pretty much any persona you could possibly think of he has 
Oh, that one was one of my favorites when he was the Irishman and when Fiona's brother came to visit. Yes, Michael McBride. I actually remember that episode. Yeah, Michael McBride, the uh, the the false flag, the the alias he took on when he was with Fiona, and he had to bring back. And he he'll bring back these characters and throughout the course of the series. And if you just appreciate people doing characters. And that's it. Watch the show because the ability for them to flip in and out of characters based on the mission in and of itself is a really good framework. And I want to I do want to say that the main reason why I wanted to bring this one up, despite it being an older show, is when you first watch the show, they they use a razor flip phone, which seems. Horribly archaic, like not the. Not like the, the modern razor. Smartphone, like the old flip phone that you know, was from the early 2000s. Um, and a lot of his phones are dated like that. But I think it works now more than ever because it shows you through that montage of him voiceover, him doing a voiceover of like what you're supposed to do in order to create a bug. Watching him break down these garbage phones by our standards and turn them into bugs still works out because if you were to be a spy you probably wouldn't want to buy a $1,000 smartphone if you're going to break it down for parts. So you can sort of suspend disbelief of the time period because there isn't enough reference to the era for it to not seem like it's still a very modern show, even if it's older by our standards, like pre-smartphone by our standards, because it still feels like you could go on Amazon and buy a bunch of these garbage phones, these old crappy flip phones for pennies on the dollar from one of those like track phone type things rather than buying smartphones, break them down for batteries and components and still create these bugs. So you're still able to use the pseudo skills that they give you without having to look at your smartphone and go, I would not break this bad boy up for a, for a, a, the SIM card and the microphone and the uh, battery. Like I, I wouldn't do that. That is a waste of this phone. You would go no, go buy a track phone with zero minutes mm-hmm. and break that bad boy up. So you can look at those phones and that technology and go, this still works. These skills still add up as logical. And so I thought that when I was watching it and I saw that, I thought it actually to me looks more relevant now than ever because that would be the type of technology you would use to make a budget listening device or a budget GPS tracker. So it, it still feels like it's plausible or, or relevant to now. It doesn't feel dated. It doesn't feel like one of those shows like when you're watching Leave it to Beaver and you're like, they don't have computers or anything. Like this show just feels like a dated series. It still feels modern enough that you can enjoy it. So I don't know. I, I thought that it's something that I think that if you appreciate uh, a, a fun story with a lot of twists and turns and uh, kind of character development, both interpersonal and, and story based, this is a series that I think you're going to enjoy. And it's something that I feel like now that it's on streaming, now that you can hop on to multiple streaming sites and just pull up episodes of this, give it a watch because it it's it appreciates a second life on these services because of how long it ran and the quality of the story that was told. Um, did you have any final thoughts on it? Uh, not really for Bone. Uh, not really. It's uh, 
if you've even if you have even if you have seen it, I would say go see it again because you might uh you might discover stuff you haven't seen before, like uh, with ep- with certain episodes, or uh, you might appreciate certain episodes a lot more. Yeah, I will say if you have watched it, give it a rewatch. Um, it. it it doesn't disappoint. You're not going to be looking at every episode and go, I know exactly what's happening. If you haven't watched it since it came out, you'll remember enough of what's going on, but the characters that they introduce and the storylines and everything, it still feels like something where you, you can get sucked back into it and you forget about little things or maybe you hear different things in a different way. So yeah, I will say even if you've watched it before, definitely check it out again. Um, that's going to be it on this episode. I thought that this would be just a fun starting episode. I thought that would be something where I could talk about a series that I remembered and loved, something that inspired the type of sunglasses I still wear to this day. So I thought that this would be something that I would maybe just want to bring out to the world. Um, this has been Staff Picks. Best wishes, everyone. Good night.